This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Guys, make sure you hit the follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're either watching or listening to us on. And if you've been enjoying the episodes and you've been getting something out of them, please go leave us a five-star review. You have no idea how much it helps us. I got to a point where I don't care what people think. And I think that's the biggest stumbling block or pain point for people when they first start out and start creating content Mm. from a a business point of view is they worry about the opinion of others. And that stops so many people from actually um, putting their opinion across because they're fearful of that. And I still remember the first day that I picked my phone camera up and pointed at me like this and took a selfie video from my store and was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) You know what I mean? But you build with confidence in that and, you know, it comes a lot more naturally to some people than others. But I always say just making a start and when you're only trying to better your own performance and the own content that you're putting up, the better. Sonny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, brother. I um, I mean, you're someone who's been able to do, I guess, a lot of really cool stuff like travel, um, and and you've you've obviously been a business owner for quite a while now. But um, I'd love to hear where it all started, um, and and start there because, as I said, you know, you, you're traveling the world at the moment. You're doing seminars. You're, you're building an app, but um, you know, where did it all get started? Do you want to know from a business point of view? Business point of view, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'll tell you about my first, my first real business venture. There's two really that stick out for me as kind of like the, the openings to me kind of getting into the space. And basically what I used to do at lunch, because when I was younger, didn't have a great deal of money, and I always wanted to eat a lot more at lunch times than I had with my pocket money. So what I used to do was I used to go and buy like bumper packets of sweets um, from macro and I was one of the only kids at the school that had a locker at the school because I was doing sport so I used to fill my locker up with these multi-bumper packs of sweets and then at lunchtime I used to run my own tuck shop out the out my school locker which did me extremely well um, so that was kind of my, my first business venture and then secondly I used to play a lot of golf when I was younger that was like my first initial sport and I was super into my golf clubs and always having the best kit um, all the gear, no idea, but obviously golf's extremely expensive, so is the equipment. So what I used to do is go onto eBay and I would find golf clubs that were for sale but had been marketed really badly. A lot of people had put golf clubs on there, had poor photos or a bad description, and I used to buy them and then re-photo them, remarket them and put them back up and sell them for more. So I was buying and trading golf clubs when I was like 13, 14 years old and made some good money then when I was younger to kind of fund my, my golf kit. It's uh, it's so interesting. I was watching this, like, just this YouTube video the other day, and it was, like, um, 62% of unicorn founders. So, like, you know, the, the Facebooks and the Amazons and, and all the big companies were entrepreneurs before they turned 18. Um, and it was kind of like this debate of, like, it either has to be you know, like you, you don't have to be born an entrepreneur, but you can definitely build one too. But there was an interesting stat around a lot of like the, the, the big CEOs and the big entrepreneurs were kind of in business from a, a very young age um, and even before they turn 18. Yeah, I mean, I'm just listening to um, the podcast about the founder of Lululemon at the moment and Chip 
And it's amazing to hear like his story because it's very different from like what you said. A lot of entrepreneurs start super young and have been in business from a young age. He was to a degree, but he didn't really find any super success until he was after the age of 30 years mm. old, you know? So I think everyone has their own path when it comes to business. I think in the world that we live in now, there's a lot of pressure to be successful quicker. Quicker, yeah. And at a younger age. And I think sometimes that can tarnish your ability to be creative and take a path in which you know actually fulfills you in your business as opposed to the one that's going to necessarily make you the most money mm, it's such a good point and obviously social media brings that on you know like everybody i mean social media is one of those things that can be just the highlight of your life type thing um and as a business owner um you know whether it's virality or you know making money um it can you can feel the pressure to come and and try to be successful you know like a, if you're not um extremely successful by 26 27 a lot of people i would you know even myself at times you can kind of feel like a bit of a failure mm. well i think there's there's two ways of looking at it and i think for me one of the key things with that is i think when you start social media you don't necessarily start with your account with the intention to it to then become a business Whereas the, as your account grows, you get a bigger audience, you're reaching more people, you're stuck in that awkward space where, okay, this is my personal account, but it's actually where I'm running my business. Mm. So for me, social media isn't something that I use to socialize with my friends now. It is very much a tool um, to promote my business, to market my business. Everything that's done on there is done with a purpose. Everything that's promoted on there is done with, uh, a call to action that I'm hopefully going to achieve from doing what I'm doing. So it's um, it's hard because you kind of lose that ability to be raw and be natural with your main account because it becomes your business. Yeah, so because uh, content's one of the things that I wanted to really dive into with you today because I feel like it's, for a lot of people, it's, it's a massive pain point. Um, and I think it probably can come from that mindset that, you know, being at making that shift okay this is a this is purely a business tool now whereas as you said it, it starts off um being something personal social and then it kind of grows and then you kind of get stuck in this in-between part where like oh you know do i do i go all in here or do i not what do you think i want to work through that pain point for someone who's listening right so yeah. so what are some of the things that help you or have helped you um i guess go all in with your content and even filming content like how do you think about it you know in terms of um coming up with ideas and then you know because I, I would imagine as well that there's a a mentality for yourself where it's like obviously you're at a point now where you you don't really care what others think in terms of you know that negative kind of connotation yeah well you just touched on the, the most important thing there right at the end i got to a point where i don't care what people think and i think that's the biggest stumbling block or pain point for people when they first start out and start creating content mm. from a, a business point of view is they worry about the opinion of others and that stops so many people from actually um, putting their opinion across because they're fearful of that and I still remember the first day that I picked my phone camera up and pointed at me like this and took a selfie video for my story and was like what the fuck is this <laughs> you know what I mean but yeah. you build with confidence in that and you know, it comes a lot more naturally to some people than others. But I always say just making a start and when you're only trying to better your own performance and the own content that you're putting up, the better. 
Whereas if you're constantly looking at other people in your industry, how many likes they're getting, how many views they're getting, the interaction of the post, it's very difficult to kind of find motivation to mm. continue to do what you're doing or be creative. And it also means that when you're following other people and what they're doing from a content point of view, you lose your organic nature with what you're doing, your you know um, uniqueness. And it's so important that when you're creating content that you are unique and it is your own um, style and your own way that you want to do things if you want it to kind of get out there and break the mold in your industry. And, you know, where I did well from a content point of view was weightlifting by nature is extremely boring. It's extremely old school. It's an extremely technical sport. And I took something that was extremely technical and made it fun, bite-sized and entertaining so that people could really resonate with that. Mm. And that's ultimately what you're trying to do when you're speaking to your audience. You're trying to relate with them. Because what I do with a barbell, uh, obscene weights, not many people can relate to. They can be entertained by it, but they can't relate to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I can talk to someone about you know, their, their first squat or unracking a barbell or getting sore hands and how I overcome it or what I have before I go to the gym, these are all things that no matter what level you're at in your sport, you can relate to. Mm. And that's a great way to build an audience in the in the first fundamental parts and obviously it goes up in levels you know now I've got a videographer of all time helping me create content the elevation of the standard of the content's getting better um, but it doesn't have to be like that you know a lot of people do extremely well on a mobile not even the latest iPhone and crush their content mm. you know with editing on apps but I think there's that pressure sometimes now in the in where the industry's at is I need the best camera gear, I need the best videographer to create my content. But ultimately, if you can't do it on your shitty phone, on your own and edit it yourself, then you're never going to have a great deal of success regardless of what kit you have. Because mm, a lot of it's just based around how consistent can you be, right? So like obviously you talked about the levels to it and um, the level you're at now takes capital, right? It's like it takes money to actually be able to con- keep that consistent. Whereas if you're starting out, um, often it's just about trying to what can I do consistently you know 12 months of the year that's going to allow me to just kind of keep building yeah and when you're when you're starting out it's the perfect opportunity to run tests where it doesn't matter if I post a particular style of content that's different from what I normally do and it doesn't perform that well I'm like okay well great I know that that currently isn't working at the mm. moment and then you post something else. It's slightly different the bigger your account goes because when you're running tests or trying new things, it's obviously reaching thousands more people. But yeah, there's no harm in trying shit and failing, you know? Yeah, 100%. Just on the content side of it, so are you someone who, like when you look at your social media and you look at creating content, are you thinking, are you creating content for content's sake? Or are you, you know, and what I mean by that is like, Obviously, there's different types of content that you can put out. Like, you know, like people talk about it in sort of like a funnel sense, in a, you know, like, like there's stuff that is obviously trying to convert. There's then content that you're just trying to, you know, get people's attention. Um, you know, how deep do you go from that perspective and, and kind of how do you look at it? What's your philosophy on that? Yeah, so this is a great question. It's difficult now. Um, it's become more difficult for me now because I've got all my different businesses and then my personal account. So, we split out across um, Mobility Manual, Lifting Zone, my personal account, and my clothing across different uh, their own individual accounts. 
the stuff that's on the um, mobility manual account, the lifting zone account, because the whole point of that was to take my name away from it mm-hmm. so that the brand can grow without me mm-hmm. and far bigger than me, I hope. And the type and style of content on there is a lot more professional. It's a lot mm-hmm. more educational. Um, it's still fun to a degree, but not to the levels that I go to on my personal <laughs> account, which I'm sure you've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, first of all, is splitting out the, the businesses and what I need to create for, for each of them. Um, I'd definitely be putting out types of content that's going to grow. Um, so at least four pieces of content on those two accounts that's going to be just purely for um, growth and reach. Mm-hmm. And then on the back of that, probably two pieces of content that's trying to push towards um, my email list. But mm-hmm. that's the way things have gone at the moment now um, in my feelings with, with Instagram is people, Instagram is not helping you if you're trying to sell, putting in links a lot of the time on social or trying to divert traffic to other social media platforms. So for me, Instagram is purely about sending people to my email list. Mm-hmm. I want people on my email list because I can market to them properly. Um, so that's what's really important for me there. Um, anything that's long form now, I'm just purely putting on YouTube because Instagram doesn't like it. Anything that's really bite-sized under 10 seconds, TikTok. TikTok, yeah. You know, and it's about having everything covered, you know, because some people like to view content in a short bite-sized way, you know, for Instagram, they'll love reels, want to be entertained, want a little bit quick bit of information. Mm. If someone's going to learn something, they're not going to, I I want to find out how to Olympic lift. They don't type that into Instagram. They type that into YouTube. So that's where I put my more long form educational stuff on YouTube. The thing that's difficult for, for me or something that I've really learned with when it comes to creating long form content for YouTube is you can have as big a following in in the world on Instagram and then go to YouTube and you're a very small fish and no one knows you. But so true. In, in my space, you have to always remember that when you're delivering content on YouTube because they don't know you from Bob on there. And it's really hard, It's really important initially to stamp your authority on there and always give a backstory as though it's the first time this person's coming across you. Whereas on Instagram, I don't need to do that. Yeah. If someone flicks past on Instagram and see a guy throwing a barbell with a red hat on, they know it's probably going to be me. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. Um, and then so TikTok. Because like, that's obviously the new kid on the block. Um, yeah. You know, we had some success last year with it. Just after, like, we just jumped on, see what you know, trying to find out what would work. Um, what are you, what are you kind of thinking there? Like, is it, is it different to, is it very different to what you're doing on Instagram? Are you just kind of pushing co- content across. Yeah, I'm not purely focusing on it at the moment. Um, the content that people like to be educated on there that has to be really fast and snappy. Yeah. On, um, on TikTok, obviously, everyone's now using. CapCut, putting captions and stuff on, getting everything banging up, grabbing people's attention. Uh, podcasts are doing really well with the sound bites now on TikTok. That style of content is working really well. Like James Smith grew 800K followers in two weeks on TikTok. Really? He's over a million now, just wow. posting, purely posting that sort of content. But I think for any social media platform now, you can't get away with just taking what you post on Instagram and putting it on TikTok. Mm. So... Everything has to be created purely for that. I don't do enough of that personally because it's not something that I'm prioritizing um, in my social focus. For me, I see much more benefit in YouTube or much more um, you know, growth in YouTube uh, in the long term from an evergreen content point of view um, and a lead gen point of view. So where we'd normally run a lot of lead gen marketing for all of my businesses, 
um, via um, an exclusive bit of video content, ads aren't pumping like they used to at not. the moment. Mm. So for me, putting what would be my normal long-form content across now, or my lead gen content across now onto YouTube and putting the call to action in the video there is proving much better and it's free. Yeah. So we're then breaking that YouTube content up and then spreading that across a blog or putting that in our emails or on our website to help with Google ads as well. It's, you know, that's kind of what I've worked out in the last few few weeks. But it's constantly evolving. You have to be trying new things. You That might now be working great. Three weeks time, ads might start cranking again and work really well, in which case we'll push push funds into there, you know? Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Like we, even with TikTok, like we grew in like four months, we grew to like 80K. And then ever since, like, it's it's funny, like we got stuck into that mode of like doing the same thing, like, oh, that, you know, like, because we had so much success with it. And then for a long time, I think it was like after Christmas, it just stopped working. Uh, and I think it was just because a lot of competition come onto the platform and, and there was a lot more people doing similar style of content. Um, but even like, you know, what you, were, what you were saying, it's like we had to evolve that content. Um, but even now with YouTube, and, and this is kind of the interesting thing, like, I don't know if you've been using YouTube shorts too much, but even then, like, we're starting to see some really good growth out of those now. We, we kind of ignored them for a little bit. We tried them last year, but it's interesting around what you said before around resources right it's like what's the focus right now you know you said like tiktok's not a huge focus right now because you're trying to concentrate over over in this particular format and you mentioned kind of things such as like seo and google ads and and these kind of things where you're trying to draw people to the website and and increase search so it's definitely an evolving thing that I, i think like that's the a hard thing for someone who's potentially starting out like well, that's what i want to kind of get across to the people that uh, are listening here that are in their early stages of entrepreneurship or building a business it may look from the outside that big businesses know exactly what they're doing and they've got this perfectly seamed um system that they do every single week and every month and they do this on one one day it's not <laughs> it's not like that it's just as much of a guessing game for a beginner as it is for for me you know and this all smoke and mirrors really with it but we're trying testing all the time yeah 100 percent. that's 100 percent the biggest like you know it's it's evolving daily weekly and you know the beauty of having a team is you've got people there who can you kind of combining your ideas together to try to work out what's going to perform best the next week and the next month and so on but this comes back to, you know, what you said a moment ago about consistency being the most important thing. As long as you're prepared every Monday or every, whatever day it is of the week to get back up and try something new and keep testing things week on week on week until something clicks and the penny drops, you know, that's what's most important when it comes to, you know, any side of business for me. Oh, 100%. It's it's funny, like something just popped up into my mind. There's a there's a girl I follow on TikTok and she do, all she does is like it's – the green screen filter her and she talks about companies or like she does a lot about the Kardashians and she's like a PR girl. So she's got her own business and she's grown to like 600,000 followers just from doing those green screen videos where she gives ideas on what she would do, what PR she would do for these different companies. And like now she's absolutely crushing it. And it's, it's something so simple, but it's just the creativity that's coming through on the particular platform that she's using. 
But this is the thing, you know her for that style of video because that's hers. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people don't find their own identity with their content because they're too invested in watching what other people are doing from a content creation point of view. Mm. Uh, one thing that, like, you mentioned James Smith before, and I think this is even something that, like, I noticed with yourself, and potentially this is me coming at it from, like, a real business point of view, but, like, I feel like tone of voice and, like, the, the, the kind of branding principle of, like, tone of voice can really help people differentiate in a sense, right? Like, you talk about a particular subject, but you talk about it, it's not it's not necessarily what you say, like that's really important, but it's also how you say it and how you deliver it, if that yeah. makes sense. And that's something even like James, like I look back at him and I can say that now, like back when he was like, you know, when he was coming through and really starting to grow. But if you look back, like he kind of talked about things in particular topics in a way that nobody really had talked about them before, right? Like, and, and, in, and that was the thing that became really relatable for people. Do you, think, do you think about it from that perspective or you just go more like, okay, how can I be unique in this space? 100% and, you know, credit where credit's due with what James has done. He is a master when it comes to social media and he is so pedantic with everything he does, you mm. know, on there. Um, and yeah, he delivers his content extremely well in a unique way, which is why he is successful as he is. And it's not only that, but I think for him, he's very outspoken in what he does and the in the way he delivers. He says the things that people think, but too scared to say because again, he's not worried about what people think, which is why I think people love him for that, and a lot of people hate him for that as mm. well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think the definitely comes to uh, comes down to like you said. If you can make something that's not necessarily exciting, sound exciting in the way that it's delivered, people then do perk up and go, oh, okay, and take attention. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so, like, more on a business front now, like, what's, what are your philosophies on business, right? So, when I say that, I mean, like, how do you think about it? Like, when you're trying to piece the puzzle together, and I'm sure it kind of continuously changes. Like, some people think... Um, you know, like it could be like content first and then we're trying to take the customer on this journey and so on. Like what is, when you think about piecing the, the, the puzzle of business together, like how do you think of it? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, you know, what really comes back to me recently and kind of the point that I'm at with my businesses at the moment is coming back to the, the bread and butter, the foundations of what you do and do well. So having a really good product is kind of like number one, mm. okay? And being able to explain what your product is really well, number two, okay? They're two s simple things that I think as you grow as a business, you lose sight of. You know, having a great product that works well and is easy to use is number one. And then obviously for, for me being secondly most important would be the sales process in which you sell it. Mm -hmm. um, having a really clear, easy sales process for people to come in and go, I like that one, I want that one, I know what it's going to do, I want to buy it now. Mm. You know, whereas I think sometimes as, again, a business grows, it, you lose sight of the, some of those fundamental things. So I think that that's been really important for me in, in kind of covering the foundations of what makes a good business, what makes you money. I think then building out of that, I think some of that's really important and I think in my biggest issues I've had recently as a business in growth is finding good people and god yeah <laughs> that's the toughest part and bringing in experts that know more about a topic than i do you know like i've been very fortunate and successful in the space that i'm in but where i'm at now and where i want to be is a huge leap and there's no real guidebook between where i'm at now and where i want to be 
But a massive part about, for me, growing and learning is being around people that have more knowledge than me. I'm always a sucker for learning and taking as much information from someone that's been there, done that, made mistakes that I'm yet to make. Mm. And for me, learning from experts is super important as a foundation for good business. Yeah, it's so true around, get like, you know, uh, this is so, what we're doing now is like my second business, right? So I've I've built a business over about eight years and then um, started now moving, transitioning into two new startups. And it's funny, like I look back at all the mistakes I made in the first, say, seven to eight years in business. Um, but now, like the idea is, like the teams that I've built out and like I invested money up front to kind of get it off the ground. But the biggest thing that I'm noticing is how much, I wouldn't say quicker we're growing, but like we're making progress. Yeah. And it's because the the fact that in, like previously I would say that like I built my, my last business as like a genius with a thousand helpers. Yeah. Rather now it's like you, I'm surrounded by people that are, are just amazing at what they do, um, whether that's in marketing, you know, or, or different kind of elements. And it's crazy the you know, just how, I guess, more efficient the business is moving now compared to, say, the one I, you know, I yeah. built ages ago. But it sounds like you've found what you're good at with, within your business now. And I think that that's a mistake that a lot of people make when they start off in business. You know, everyone wants to be the CEO, but are you a good CEO? Has anyone taught you to be a CEO? <laughs> it's so and true. I, I made that mistake myself, especially like, you know, it used to be me and my one guy who did my marketing just ticking along and then all of a sudden now there's 12 of us and it's like, fuck, there's all these people that I'm responsible for. No one's taught me how to be a leader, how to be a CEO, mm. how, you know, my day-to-day -day job is not the same. You know, six years ago, I was just lifting weights and throwing them around and having some fun with it. Now I spend most of the time at my desk trying to work out how I can best help this person be good at their job mm. or, you know, how to motivate my team to make good decisions, you know. And the rule book changes, but you have to remember in whatever business you're in, especially when you grow one, that you always sit in a space that you're best performed, you perform best at. And for me, it's that creative side, you know, which is why I brought in a CEO last year to kind of run my overriding companies, companies my holding companies, so that I don't have to focus on the day-to-day -day things, the finances and things like that, that I'm not great at and don't really understand. And I can put my time and energy into the creative side of things, the face-to-face -face and being that side for the brand. That's so interesting. I, I'd love to kind of dive into that a little bit about the, was that a really tough decision to make, bringing in the CEO, like letting go a little bit? It was something that I couldn't see that was staring me right in the face. And I think this is why it's so good to have external business coaching, um, even as a business owner, or at least mm -hmm. a sounding board, because a lot of the time you can have your head down in your business, and especially when you're so emotionally attached to your business um, and not see things that are blatantly causing issues within your business. So having external um, people to look in on it from a non-emotional standpoint and go, this isn't working and give you the hard truths is really important. Um, I spent a lot of time when I was first building my business, uh, especially in my growing stage, um, reaching out to people that were more knowledgeable than me and had run businesses in their areas. I'd give an hour of every single of my week to try and get on the phone with someone, a CEO or a boss or someone that's doing something that I'm not. Especially when we started the clothing, I knew nothing about running an e-com business. Um, and my girlfriend at the time was helping 
um, with a company called Tropica. Who, oh, yeah, I know. The yeah. I was talking to the founder. Yeah, and um, she was like, I can probably get you a chat with, with him if you'd like. And I jumped on the phone with him, and we spoke for about an hour. I told him all about my business and whatnot. And he goes, Sonny, like, love the chat with you. but um, And he said, if I've got one bit of advice for you, he said, you don't sound like a CEO. You sound like a creative. And I was like, fuck. Like, and as soon as he said that, I got off the phone and I was like, he's right, I'm not a leader. <laughs> and um, that was like a really profound moment for me where I started to think like, okay, like I need to bring someone in that's done this, that's ran a business, that's, you know, a better leader than, than me. And I brought in the person that was my first ever sponsor, um, Jeff Dovey, who... He's been one of my closest friends for a very long time. He was the first guy that believed in me um, to sponsor me to all the way up to the Olympics. And uh, he helped me set up my first uh, business with mm. Webstar Performance. And he'd always done it just out of the love and care for me. He was in telecoms, very successful in the telecoms industry. But he helped me just for because he wanted to help his mate. And to be able to ring him up then after that call and be like, hey, bro, do you fancy uh, being the CEO of businesses? And he said, yeah, he'd love to. And he's been a great support. But um, it wasn't hard. It was easy when I could see it, you know. And I think even now, he's kind of stepped more across as like CFO more mm. than anything rather than CEO. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of now growing into that space. Mm -hmm and learning how to become a good CEO yeah. and how I can be a better leader for my team, how I construct better meetings, um, again, from learning from other people. I play golf with Mark Morano, one of the founders of F45, yeah. you know, sit, picking his brain for 18 holes about, you know, managing teams, and that's what he does now predominantly. Mm. He's um, advising for, for big companies how they can perform better. You know, that was something that's really important for me. Yeah, it's so interesting. And what's the change been like since you've you've brought him in? Like, have you, you obviously, um, you know, do you have you felt like it's just mu moving more like a machine now that that you've got someone in who's been able to kind of take care of that side? Yeah, well, it's funny you use the terminology machine because I liken me as a business and my businesses a year ago to like we had two small machines but they were really finely tuned and yeah. they smashed it, okay? And now well, we've gone from these two little machines to two very big machines, but they're not running as smoothly as possible as yeah. they could do because a lot of the foundational stuff that we'd had that was working in the small machines, been, we haven't quite got yet in these big ones, especially with the app. You know, that is in itself a fucking beast of an expense mm. and like upkeep and management um for that alone you know and that's just one of the things that you know we're working on hard at the moment but i think um for sure it's helped me be able to put my attention into more of the things i need to be putting my attention into yeah yeah 100 percent. but not o not only that as well but making difficult decisions you know there always has to be because i'm quite friendly i'm very close with all the people that i work with um, a lot of the people that I've employed have been friends of mine or people that, you know, I've promised jobs to in the in the past or, you know, I've just got the right vibe about them and offered them a job. But there still needs to be that line between, you know, me as the, the friendly, the good cop, and having a bad cop. And I think that's extremely valuable in a business as well. Oh, it's it's the... 
it's one of the, I mean, especially when you start building a team, it's one of the toughest lessons to learn because, like, obviously the conversations you don't have end up becoming your biggest problems. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, like I can look back at times and, like, I just think, man, if you had had that conversation maybe four or five months earlier, that would never have happened. You know what I mean? I so know. it's – but you, you live and you learn. Um, what's been the biggest learnings for you in the last 12 months then? Because I, I was listening to your podcast when I was doing, like, you know, just a bit of research for this with James – uh, maybe it was like four weeks ago, it was your one-on-one. Yeah. And you were talking, you mentioned briefly that um, there's been like almost growing pains, you know, kind of going through what you, you have been in the last, say, I don't know how long, but um, obviously the CEO coming in or this, you know, and then and now you're saying it's kind of turning into this one big machine. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've been through in the last 12 months and, and some of the biggest learnings that have come out of those? Yeah, I think just from a personal point of view, like as soon as you said that, like I just remind myself all the time to enjoy this process Mm. and these growing pains because I think a lot of the time when things are going well, right, you don't reflect, you don't um, enjoy, like you don't think about what you're doing. You just see money coming in the bank. Things are progressing. Great. But whereas when you're in tough times when you have to kind of use your brain a lot more, develop, evolve in what you're doing trial and error with a lot of different things it's the most exciting part about running a business and it's easy to lose sight of that Mm. so I always remind myself to really enjoy the journey that I'm on Um, the toughest thing in the last 12 months was definitely doing the app and launching the app you know for me I think one of the difficult things is that I've had to change with everything that I was previously doing, it was Sunny Webster. It was Sunny Webster Academy. It was Sunny Webster Mobility Manual. It was Sunny Webster's squat program. And what I've done is I've separated them for to future-proof them aside of me. There's going to be a day when I'm old and fucking gray and I can't swing a barbell and I'm not going to be cool anymore and I'm going to have a business that's not going to be, it's going to be worthless if it stays under my name. But not only that, there's a lot more people out there that I want to help that Mm. don't resonate with me. So separating out the businesses was one of the hardest things, I think, to do because I had the mobility manual that was surging and doing really well within the Sunny Webs Academy, so it needed to be separated in order to grow into, to move into other sports. And then I was left with Sunny Webs Academy, which was all my weightlifting stuff, that I wanted to rebrand into the lifting zone so that I could bring in other coaches and it not always people expect service necessarily from me. But with that, it lost a lot of its identity. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been, a, in hindsight, looking back on it, one of the most difficult things with splitting up the businesses now is for them to find their own identities again and their own ethos and their own branding um, has been difficult. Um, but then not only that, bringing on more staff, ensuring that people that are within my company are doing the best job for them. Mm. Um, and, you know, I bought on a copywriter um, six months, well, maybe six months to a year ago. She was part-time for a while. And the way that I hired her, she wrote a blog about me, about something that I'd put on a story slide. And I thought, you, I couldn't have wrote that better myself. And I hate writing. I was writing all my sales marketing emails before and I was shit at it. Mm. Um, so I was like, you're having a job. You can start doing yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. Do you know what? For her coming in, I thought, great, she's going to do all the sales sales uh, emails. 
she actually doesn't write as well in that style or nor does she enjoy it as much as I previously thought and now she's heading up our ambassador program so I think that's another key thing for me in the in terms of my growing pains is making sure that everyone's doing a job that one they enjoy oh, yeah. and um, they've got a good skill in and then finding the identity of the brands once they once they've been split um, has been hard um, I think like there's two things that like I really like that resonate and 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 I think that are like a really key points is like structure like the structure of your businesses I think that's something that I'm only you know, probably in the last maybe 18 months is like mm. something I'm realising is so important. But then also things such as, um, and, and just like, just when we talk about structure, like you talked about separating your companies and, you know, how important that can be to actually get the companies um, working like the machines that you want. But then also the time horizon. Like the first thing that comes to mind for yourself is the time horizon for you is not 12 months. It's, you know, it's it's 10 years. And, I think in business you can often make a lot of your mistakes come from that time horizon being too short. You know, like you 100%. talked about it, like if your time horizon was 12 months, you would still have Sunny Webster Academy. That would still be the brand name. That 100%. would still be what it is. But now it's more like, cool, you've you've rebranded and that's going to take time to get the traction that you once had or yeah. or kind of and build that. And brand building takes a long time, but... You know, because your time horizon's a lot longer, yeah, you're able to grow into that. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, um, you have to have that, that kind of long-term goal in sight, which I never did, like you said, 12 months ago. If you asked me that question, I wouldn't have had the answer to it. You know, but for me, looking back on it now, we're discussing it, because I don't often talk a lot about, you know, my business side of things in a reflecting way like mm. we're talking about it now. So it definitely brings up a lot of things that maybe I haven't, realize but for me with the splitting them up as well i kind of cut the dead weight of the lifting zone i'm not saying it's dead weight because it's still a very good business mm. and it runs well as like a high ticket product but also all of my olympic weightlifting programs and stuff but it hasn't got the scalability because it's fucking weightlifting unfortunately mm. yeah whereas the mobility manual like branching into other sports everyone, and yeah. everyone needs to move better yeah. for their sports performance so that was insightful in the fact that for me that's a business in 10 years time that's going to be worth a lot of money the lifting zone i think will perform well and will be a profitable business will it be have the same sort of worth as something like the mobility manual probably not yeah it's such yeah. an interesting conversation around like profitability versus scalability and and obviously having two separate companies there that you'll be able to see the contrast between the two as well yeah yeah it, it'd be exciting for sure um all right, to finish off the podcast, we do a section called Quick Fire. So this is just, don't stress too much about, usually I say short answers, but then like I've had people on and they say like fucking four words and I'm like, <laughs> like you know, you don't, you don't have to be that short. Um, but yeah, um, the first question I would ask is one piece of advice for your younger self. Oh, I think it would be to, to learn more when I was younger. I think if I could was had my time again I would have studied a lot harder in the areas that I wanted to go into yeah um and when you say learn more you're talking business or you're just talking general um in, from a business point of view yeah um and one piece of advice for someone starting a business spend as much time researching the space that you want to build into first find out what people are doing and they're doing well what people are doing and it's not working 
um, get as much knowledge as possible. That's what I said. Like mm. that's why it kind of relates to my previous answer, and I kind of will expand on it a little bit more now because I think if I had studied more around the spaces that I wanted to build into, I wouldn't have made as many mistakes that I have made t today. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think just doing as much market research when you're starting out a business is so important. Yeah. So what do you think the most important, and, and this is, I'd love to hear this from you now based on the conversation we've had. What's the most important trait that a founder must have to be successful? I think morals and morals and like philosophy, like you said, being like foundational things that are really important to be a good team leader. Um, I think that that's, that's crucial because when everything's said and done, you know, in like, stressful times in business in fruitful times in business if you can stay true to your morals and what's important to you and those foundational philosophies that were the reason why you started your business mm. then you'll be successful in that you know and it's weird sometimes sitting here and discussing business because for me I'm very much in my learning stage as well mm -hmm. and and growing and there's people that are in all different st parts of their journey, like you said, might be their first day that they're thinking about starting something new. But um, just always remember to kind of enjoy that process as well. And the only person you're trying to impress uh, is yourself. And, you know, stay true to what you want to do when you start a business because there's no external pressure other than the pressure that you're putting on yourself. Okay, It's so easy successful. to get lost too, right? It's so easy to get lost in that. And I think you're right. There's something to be said about what it's going to feel like once it's all said and done. You know, like looking back in retrospect when we're all older and like you said, we're, one day we're going to be, you know, 50, 60 and, and it's going to be, you know, finished and yeah. we might be retired and, and looking back, I, feel, I still think, you know, even with myself, something that motivates me is like I want to look back then and, and be proud of the person I was throughout the whole period. Yeah, and I think never get into business because it's money that you want to make because mm -hmm. there becomes a point in business where... There's no amount of money that flicks into the bank and makes you feel any differently. You know, you're still waking up to have the same purpose. And for me, it's about people moving better and for, you know, getting them lifting with better technique. I want to make weightlifting accessible to the masses. They're the, the reasons, my mission statements as to why I get up. And the money will always be a byproduct of you smashing uh, those principles yeah 100 percent. last one what do you think the biggest opportunity is over the next 12 months for business owners oh in what respect uh could be anything do you think like do you you know it could be a market dynamic you know do you do you see the market moving in a particular way in terms of um it could be an yeah. economics thing you know it could be content it could be marketing yeah i would say from a business point of view high ticket premium service is kind of where i think people are going i think the low ticket budget quick service pdf format especially in the fitness space is very saturated now mm. um i think the the high ticket premium service space is still got loads of room for growth because you'd be so surprised how many businesses don't have a high ticket option or don't give people the option to spend a lot of money with you. Um, and there's a lot of people out there that will pay that premium for a more exclusive service. Um, I'd just be wary with anyone that's looking to do that, that you previously assess whether it is scalable for you to do it as a business because else you'll be selling your time um, for that high ticket. So just 
be wary of that. But there's a lot of lot of money to be made in that space right now. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the the market went one way, right, and 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 kind of really went one way. Um, obviously, because technology's allowed it to, and and it, it'll be interesting to see how it goes the other way. But I also think it's you're right. What t- high ticket was five years ago, and and maybe even yeah five years ago and what it'll be over the next five years i think is going to be a bit different you know so i'll be interested to see how that plays out yeah for sure mate i want to say a massive thank you for coming on i know it's really tight schedule for yourself and and you're kind of moving around so i really appreciate it no, I enjoyed that. Um, so and much. a massive thank you cheers brother